0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of a priest, a minister, and a rabbi walk into a radio station. I'm Jay Horrigan. And as always, here with me is the always energetic Pandora Carlucci. Pandora, how are you today?
1: I am doing just fine, Jay. And as I shared, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, (laughs) life is good.
0: Yes, yes. A nice 70-degree day out there. We've got to take them as we can get them. Don't know how many more we're going to have. Uh, As always, uh, Pandora and I are just here to open the show and close the show, but the real stars of our show are Reverend Eric Cherry, uh, Reverend Kathy McAdams, and Rabbi Tom Albert. And we'll start with you, Reverend Eric. How are you today? So good to be with you,
2: Jay and Pandora, and with um, with my wonderful colleagues. Rabbi Tom and Reverend Kathy, uh, things are uh, are good. I'm also enjoying the lovely weather uh, at First Universal Society in Franklin. We're um, we're hanging in there through this kind of in between time of of carefully being back in person as well as um, being an, an online community. I would say the um, the special. Event that took place this past week was a memorial service for our beloved minister emerita, Reverend Carol Rosine, who passed away in August, and um, a, 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 just a um, an incredible effort by a whole lot of people to put together a um, a way for some three hundred people to be safely. Together outdoors for this service, as well as on Zoom, and feel like Carol's legacy was um, was well shared and represented, and um, we were all feeling the feelings through um, through that day. Beyond that, we are um, hybrid on Sunday mornings, um, hybrid in a whole lot of other uh, kind of day to day activities. This coming Sunday, we begin our what we call the Roots series. It's it's kind of an introduction to First Universal Society and Unitarian Universalism goes over five Sundays uh, through the fall. And later on Sunday afternoon, we're gathering uh, at um, Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge uh, for an annual visit to that really lovely Forest Cemetery. Um, it happens to be a place where um, some very uh, notable Unitarians and Universalists are, are are buried. So we we kind of visit their memorials
0: during um, that that trip as well. But most of all, good to be with you all today. That sounds great, Reverend Eric, and, and it's... Awesome that you folks were able to uh, put together that memorial service. Things like that, I think, are just, especially over the last year and a half, are so important because we're, we're able to do them so infrequently. The ones we are able to do become that much more important. So credit to you and your congregation for doing that. Next, we'll talk to the award-winning Reverend Kathy McAdams, who wins our award for going above and beyond, to be a part of today's show. Reverend Kathy, how are you and how are things going?
3: Hi, Jay. I wasn't sure what the award was. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, I I didn't hear about the Nobel Prize. But yes, (laughs) um, good to be with you and Pandora and Eric and Tom. Things are going well at St. John's Episcopal Church. Uh, We also are doing hybrid worship, and we're getting ready for a diocesan confirmation service. We have nine teenagers being confirmed, and four of their parents have decided to be received into the Episcopal Church. So we'll be traveling to Framingham to meet with the bishop on the 23rd. And then October is when we do our pumpkin patch. So if you haven't gotten your pumpkin, come on down and choose a pumpkin or a gourd. It's, it, this is the second year we've done it, and it's become a fun community event. It's a nice place to bring young children and take pictures, and they can run around safely and, and then take some pumpkins home. So uh, that'll be going through Halloween.
0: That sounds great. That's that's really exciting. And you said you were doing uh, kind of a hybrid thing with your congregants right now in terms of services and things like that?
3: Yes, we're in person and we're also broadcasting on Zoom and Facebook um, most of the time when it works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The beauty of technology. Well, that's great. It's great to hear that uh, folks are continuing to keep their congregations as involved as they can still willing to use the zoom or whatever aspect they may be for people that just just aren't comfortable getting back into crowds that's that's great to hear uh and kind of it's not our fourth hitter but we'll still call him our cleanup hitter is rabbi tom albert rabbi how are you and how are things going with your congregation Jay, things are great. I'm surprised you didn't mention my Ig Nobel
4: Prize, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would if I knew what it was. Thank you very much.
4: (laughs) Let's just put it this way. You've heard of a booby prize? That's what I get. Anyway. uh,
0: Me too. It
4: it is. uh, No, things are great. I mean, The weather and, of course, um, I don't know when this will be broadcast, but probably while the Red Sox have still. Are still the reigning ALDS champs, uh, and uh, people question the uh, existence of miracles. I merely point this one out, so uh, that's pretty exciting. In terms of the congregation, uh, we're all good. We're doing. We're dipping our toe into hybrid. We have not yet gotten to hybrid services. It's such a small sanctuary, and uh, we now I think have uh, plans, but we need to get them run through all the different. Uh, stakeholders and make sure this will all work out. Uh, we're hoping to to be open for hybrid services uh, sometime within the next month. And so that's, that's good news. We are doing um, our weekly Torah study has uh, resumed. We uh, read uh, a little bit. We, we start the Torah. The Torah, for those who don't know, are the first five books of both the Jewish and Christian Bibles. And uh, so we start and they're particularly, for a variety of reasons, they're particularly essential and holy to Judaism. So we began many years ago reading straight through from the first chapter, uh, we of the first chapter of Genesis on. We've been doing this for 18 years now. We're about, to, we've just crossed the Red Sea, so we're in no hurry here. Uh, but uh, we have been, we, we last year we met by Zoom, and this year we're doing a hybrid. So people are coming into the into the into the temple. We've got uh, into our, our multi-purpose room, our community room, and we've got uh, cameras set up to, to welcome in uh, Zoomers. So we had some of both uh, last week, and it was really very exciting and a lot of fun. So that uh, that makes me feel good. And in only seven weeks, we'll be in Hanukkah. So I have to, I'm starting to do some preparations for that. The Jewish calendar works that is on a is basically a lunar system. And you add a month every so often to get it in sync with the solar system, solar calendar. So it is now about as early in our regular calendar as it will ever be. And starting in um, February, we will add a month and life will start to feel much more normal. (laughs) As opposed to doing Thanksgiving at like two days after Hanukkah, which it is this year. I mean, Hanukkah two days
0: after Thanksgiving. Sorry, flipped it that's that sounds uh, great and it sounds like you have your hands full coming up in especially in the next handful of weeks you, you mentioned that you have uh had some people come back to do uh some studying different things like that i i assume that you folks all heard it seems like we're all heading in the right direction uh I saw in the news where the town of Hopkinton has their school system has gotten to the eighty percent threshold of vaccination. So they've been authorized to remove masks on vaccinated people, and their school board will address that next week. So we're slowly but surely seeing small little indications that we we may have the opportunity to move forward. This winter, instead of backward, uh, and it seems like you're all really preparing for that. And, and has that come into any of your your plans? That possibility, Rabbi? Sure.
4: I mean, I, the 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 key word from our reopening group has always been, we don't know yeah. <laughs> where the future is. We don't know, yeah. and you have and we have to prepare for everything. I think that that uh, we are. The more open this gets, the more thrilled we're going to be. It's very possible that by the time we actually do get open up for services, we'll be able to be more flexible than we are now thinking. Because, as you say, things are trending in the right direction. Uh, the 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 news about you know the the, the news about the possibility of um, getting vaccinations for uh, people twelve to eighteen is huge. Twelve to mm. sixteen, rather. No, so under tw- uh, five, sorry, five to sixteen, is huge, and um, I think it's going to be a game changer, uh, especially in Massachusetts, where you know we have been pretty good about vaccinations. So I, um, I I think things are turning a corner,
0: and I'm really looking forward to what that's going to mean. That's and as we've talked about uh, this group here, we would really like it to turn the corner. So we could be in the same room, which is we've all we've done is is Zoom uh, since we kind of uh, started this this program uh, that Pandora so gracefully put together and did the work on it. So and that brings me to Pandora. We'll bring Pandora in and she'll kind of lead our, our next part of our discussion. But it's awesome to hear. I did want to also thank everybody on our show for those that haven't listened, I would encourage you to go back and listen to our last two shows uh, about faith and addiction and the power of all that. But the feedback we've gotten has been tremendous. We, we had two people from the SAFE Coalition, uh, Jen Levine and Jim Derrick, who were just tremendous assets to the program. But kudos to the three of you. For bringing that to light with the help of Jen and, and Jim. But I wanted to thank you for that because the feedback has been awesome. Yes, Reverend Kathy, it's so nice of you to raise your hand. That was
3: <laughs> just following up on the issue of vaccination. I wanted to point out that the Interfaith Council um, issued a statement just really encouraging people to become vaccinated, um, not only for their own safety, but for the, the public good, for uh, the good of public health. So uh if you wanted to read that statement it's on the Franklin Interfaith Council website which is franklininterfaith.org.
0: That that is awesome. That's great. We'll will uh find a way to share that with people if they want to see it, but yes. I I think you and we've talked about this in the past. The the vaccination, yes, it's for you, but it's for other people. It's for the greater good and we could all use some more greater good right now. So, thank you, uh, Reverend Kathy, for bringing that up.
1: I think I'm I'm really glad that you did bring this up because it's an example of an interfaith action, and so has this um, introductory conversation as we catch up with one another from one month to the next. Part of interfaith is learning about other faiths, and and and. uh understanding them and and listening and receiving that knowledge. And so just in this small conversation that we have had thus far, we learned from Reverend Eric about the study program that they're going to be involved in that encompasses five weeks of study that the uh, congregation will be engaged in. Reverend Kathy uh, referred to the youth in her congregation who are going to be receiving the sacrament of uh, who are going to be receiving confirmation and that they will be meeting with the bishop and all that that involves and the the sacredness of that experience and then Rabbi Tom talked about uh, the Torah and how the first five books of the Jewish and Christian Bible are the same and how it 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 every year they go back to the the first five and you know, it, it informs their thinking and their study. And I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, Rabbi Tom. I'm kind of looking at my notes of, of what everybody said, but, you know, trying to take that under consideration. So it as, as the conversation was unfolding, I looked at our topic for today, which our faith leaders have provided us with, and it's why interfaith matters. And um, our faith leaders always give us this, a few um, enabling questions. And this conversation also gets us provides an opportunity for us to understand interfaith through the lens of our speakers, Rabbi, Rabbi Tom, Reverend Eric, Reverend Kathy, in their lives and in the lives of their congregation and their congregants. So I think we have a lot of exciting conversation ahead of us. And I think the first place is to start with our faith leaders, and that is, what role has an interfaith, interreligious connection had in your life? And Reverend Kathy, if we could start with you, when, when we think about this interfaith, interreligious connection, we think about the faith leader and then outward to their congregation and outward to the greater community. Could you speak to that a little bit?
3: Sure. Every church that I've worked in has had at least an ecumenical, if not an interfaith network in the community. And let me just kind of define those terms a little bit. Ecumenical refers to um, work across Christian denominations, whereas interfaith goes beyond that to include all, all faiths. In San Francisco, that network was around feeding people. In Palo Alto, it was around advocating for needs in the community, such as affordable housing. And I've always enjoyed learning about other traditions, as well as keeping myself aware that we don't all think or believe the same things, so that I don't fall into a comfortable ignorance of others. It keeps me humble, not doubting my own faith, but aware that I don't have all the answers that only God does. And I constantly have to ask myself, if Tom or Eric was sitting in the congregation, what would they think of what I'm saying? And actually, one Christmas Eve, I looked out to find Rabbi Tom sitting in the congregation. (laughs) If I'm going to say something that one of them might find offensive, then I either need to find a different way to say it or I need to rethink the concept altogether. And um, in addition to my work at St. John's, I also work as a hospice chaplain, and that's an interfaith kind of ministry. I visit patients of all different faiths and some of no faith at all. And so my job is to help them draw on whatever is within them, not to try to convince them that my faith is right, but to help them draw on whatever faith they have in whatever, um, whether it's in God or in things, whatever, to give them strength and courage to go on.
1: That is... Uh both jobs are tremendous in and of themselves. And to balance those two is, is amazing when you share with us what you do at at St. John's and also your work uh, in the hospice community. That's, it's, it's overwhelming and the different lives that you meet and, and you meet people where they are in that journey. And uh, your example of of interfaith collegiality and having you know, checkpoints as to how you say it and how you phrase a particular thought. Uh, that can impact all of us as it goes out into our daily lives. Reverend Eric, following um, Reverend Kathy, could you give us an idea of how um, interfaith connections have impacted your ministry?
2: So happy to. And um, I, I want to just agree with what Kathy has shared, that that there's kind of a um, um, an institutional ministry that um, that is really an important part of, of interfaith connection. And I, I want to add on something a, a little bit softer, which is that um, that relationships um, beyond uh, one's own faith, interpersonal relationships can really be saving. And um, you know that the that the range of how that works varies a great deal. Um, I recall one of the first um, collegial relationships that um, I had in my first ministry out in Iowa, um, someone with whom I shared very little from a with from a faith perspective, uh, but who helped to keep me grounded and um, healthy and, and growing. And um, that was very important. And it continues to be the case today uh, that um, Rabbi Tom and Reverend Kathy were with us on Saturday to celebrate the life of Reverend Carol Rozin was immensely meaningful for me and for many. And so just, you know, relationships matter. My view is that that most faith communities know that we're not called to uh, circle the wagons. Um, we're called to look beyond and and interfaith connections have had that role in my life um, sometimes i think that the congregation that i serve is almost like serving in an interfaith community we, since we don't have kind of a um, uh, a, a, um, a restrictive um, belief system there's a a great variety of of um faith um ideas in in our congregation and and occasionally it does feel a little bit like interfaith work in itself but it's very important to be looking beyond one's own congregation for um for wisdom and connection
1: i think we are fortunate to be in a community that is so Uh, open and welcoming, especially as you gave the example of uh, Rabbi Tom and Reverend Kathy coming to the service in memory of Carol Rosine. I mean, what a a heartfelt, compassionate giving of time and self and, and to come and that we are a community that welcomes that action. It's wonderful. Rabbi Tom, I would ask you to comment since you were just referenced. Uh, could you speak to your ministry and uh, interfaith and maybe uh, first comment on the collegial relationship aspect that Reverend Eric brought up?
4: You probably made a mistake by asking me to talk about this because this is something I can talk about till the cows come home. This is, this has been central to um, my rabbinate, go back a ways. Um, early 1990s. I'm in uh, rabbinical school. I'm commuting between here and New York. I have a family with young kids. And so I really can't stay around for all kinds of activities and things that take place on on Sundays and stuff because I've got to be home. So I I limited myself to one activity, and it was interfaith. And I was involved in two different groups with seminarians from all different uh, traditions, and I did that because this is so crucial to me this and I wrote papers about this it was it's my, it 's my it is a passion of mine, and you know the the uh, and there's so many reasons for that, but mainly that we need to find ways to connect to each other and to talk to each other and that there are several aspects of interfaith, one of them is just working together on projects of common interest um, and, and we do those the, the uh the statement on vaccines, for instance, is a classic example of that the, the uh, our thanksgiving service there's so many things we do that really are just working together, but there are also the parts that to me are especially interesting, which are the where, where the faith traditions get together and talk about things that are not so easy, where there are differences between us, and to figure out how to hold up the differences, recognize them as valuable. And yet at the same time, be able to have real dialogue about that. That has been um, a topic that, you know, allows us to move from, uh, oh, isn't everything great to, okay, here's some real things we have. So we have to to sort of fight our way through and come out of it feeling good. And that's, uh, so that's where it has a kind of deepness that that appeals to me. Uh, Day to day, this has been just so important to me and to my congregation. I mean, I, I was not the only person from uh, the temple who was at that interface service, and uh, one of the we we're there for several reasons. But one of the reasons we we're there was how incredible Carol Rosine had been in uh, the beginning of the uh, Temple at Taim and throughout as as a supporter of that. You know, which Eric is carrying on wonderfully, which Reverend Kat, and I mean, uh, the the so you know that. It, those things matter. Reverend Kathy proposed a picnic between St. John's and the Temple, which is going to take place this Sunday. We have a bunch of people going, and part of that has been a, an explicit recognition that, with the the rise of anti semitism in general in uh, the country, it's just important we get to know each other as people and uh, recognize that you know that people aren't a cause or this or that or the other. They're they're people. They're our neighbors. We're all our neighbors and So that's, so there's so much about interfaith that that to me is central to figuring out what it is like to be a community of faith in this world today.
1: I did not know about the picnic between the temple and St. John's. and, And that's such a great idea because it brings, brings people together in such a relaxed and informal way. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, that, that shows that you can have interfaith exchanges and you can start on that level and grow and, and learn. And uh, I think Reverend, Reverend Eric, you mentioned about all the variety of different, different beliefs, if I'm saying this correctly, that comprise the Unitarian Universalist experience. How does your con- congregation take this interfaith belief and, and bring it out into their lives?
2: Such a great question, Pandora. And what what, what I want to avoid is uh, appearing like we've got this all figured out. I I I don't want to pretend that at all. Um, I would say that it's um, instead more a recognition that it's work worth doing. That that we can start internally in the congregation on the path of uh, respect and um, recognizing worth and learning from, uh, people who share a wide variety of, um, of of religious viewpoints that we can worship communally, uh, even when we don't uh, agree with everything that the person sitting next to us might think about God, for example. And, um, if we are kind of, um, getting some, some developing some skill at that, uh, we can bring that into our community. I, I think that, um, that there is a tremendous benefit when people know themselves well enough to be able to um, engage in interfaith relationships with humility and to be prepared to become stronger in one's own faith when encountering um, the strong-held faith of another. Um, In fact, (laughs) I would say that um, when we don't do that well, our communities suffer, and that um, perhaps there is a, a thread through current challenging times in our nation related to our inability to do that well, to instead of seeking an opportunity to learn from and grow in personal faith through encounter with another, we resist. We resist and sometimes denigrate and, and too often dismiss. And my experience, I think the experience of, of the vast majority of people who respond differently is that it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, it can be fulfilling and empowering uh, to encounter faith uh, with another uh, who holds something different than yourself.
1: We've been talking about all of the positive aspects. It's good also to look at, as you raised, some of the the negative things that can happen if you aren't open and and listening to the faiths that are being expressed and the the beliefs that are being shared. Sometimes I think when we hear uh, different things, we filter them through our own experiences instead of just receiving them and listening to them. How do you lead your congregation so hopefully they would be open to hearing things you know, as, as their leader? What, how do you model that?
2: Well, I, I think um, there are a number of ways that that happens. Sometimes it's communally, which is by recognizing the value of religious ideas and traditions that are not our own during uh, Sunday morning services. Uh, that's one way of kind of modeling appreciation. Uh, sometimes it's in smaller groups, so perhaps if, if we're doing um, scriptural study, we're, you know, say a group of a dozen people, that um, we are looking for connection and understanding and learning from a um, a tradition that may not be central to oneself. So, for example, if someone who's, who's the center of their faith is maybe in um, humanism, is encountering Um, the uh, the taoist tradition perhaps for the first time uh, to be able to uh, discover something about themselves and um and their neighbors uh by doing so is um another way that that happens um maybe most importantly is feeling like this came up in an earlier comment from one of my dear colleagues that we need to be accountable uh, to our neighbors, that we're not only accountable to ourselves if we're on this path, uh, that we're accountable to people who have religious points of view that aren't our own. And when we can do that well, when we're helping our own congregations do that well, uh, then we are most certainly on the path.
1: Very good, very helpful. And, And I appreciate those examples because sometimes when we talk about things in general, uh, it's it's hard to bring them down to earth and see what would they look like in person. How would I recognize that? So I I appreciate that, and I will take that as we go forward. And and um, Reverend Kathy, as we've listened to Reverend Eric and talk about his actions with his ministry and, and how things look, and Rabbi Tom, with the collegiality that he shares uh, with his fellow faith leaders, can you speak to what you and your congregation are doing.
3: Sure. Well, I think my goal is to keep my congregation always learning and thinking and questioning as well as reaching across boundaries and differences. And that's why, as as Rabbi Tom mentioned, that um, we're hosting the temple this Sunday for a picnic. And it's just an effort to build relationships that in order to accompany each other through the ups and downs of life, that we have to have established a relationship. So we're going to start by eating together, which sounds easy, but to be honest, in an interfaith context, that can often be a little tricky. (laughs) But in terms of disagreements, I think, you know, as long as we're respectful of each other, that it's okay to let some disagreements stand. We don't have to agree on everything, and we're not going to. But we can look for areas in which we do agree. We can find those commonalities. And um, just an example, I mean, the three of us are not going to agree liturgically, which is why most of our worship is separate. That's why we have separate congregations. But when it comes to serving the community or advocating for justice, there's a whole lot that we can agree on and a lot that we can do together.
1: That's wonderful. And, and Jay, I, I'd like you to jump in. You always have insightful questions. And Reverend Kathy has opened this up to the community of Franklin beyond just the individual congregations.
0: It is so good to hear our three faith leaders here talk about the, the willingness. And I think a lot of this gets back to when we've talked about it for over the last year, the greater good. It is putting others maybe before yourself, which unfortunately we don't see a lot of that right now. And that's why it's so important that not just our faith leaders, but other leaders in town, whether it's political, town administrators, you know, even with my background in the youth sports kind of area, it is so important, I feel, to put other people and be considerate. You know, Reverend Kathy said people aren't going to always agree, but we have to be considerate in our disagreeing. And that's something I think all of us can agree we need to get back to when we may be lacking. There may be a a lot of that lacking right now, at least from my perspective, there seems to be.
1: And we've had a number of um, festivals and gatherings in the town of Franklin over the the past month, which have drawn thousands of people. And they came in a very respectful way at both festivals. People were socially distant. People were careful as to how they walked about. Um, Entertainers and musicians and speakers were all thoughtfully positioned. It showed a lot of care from the various community members for everyone else. And I, I don't think that's isolated. I think we take all of our experiences, our faith experience, our business and government experiences, as you said, appointed and elected officials and more, and and they influence our actions.
0: And, and I agree with you, Pandora, totally on that. And I think our, our community, our town, this area really does a good job of that. And, and a lot of that falls on the leadership of, of our faith leaders uh, in their respective congregations, but also with the Interfaith Council, just all the stuff that they have taken leadership with over since we've started doing this this program. You know, we, we seem to always be talking about uh, some kind of event or some kind of thing that they're doing to raise awareness. To, for the, again, I, I get back to the greater good, the good of other people. And that's, I think, something we all need to get back to.
1: We're reaching the end of the time for our show, but before we wrap things up, but I would like to put it out to anyone there that we we have a lot of threads going, but is there anything that you would like to see come to a close? Rabbi Tom.
4: You know, thinking about all of this, there's a, I want to share a teaching from the uh, great sage Hillel around the time of Jesus. And Hillel said three parts. One, if I am not for myself, what am I? And what that means to me is that one's faith has got to be really important. If this stuff doesn't mean anything, if it's all, you know, one thing's as good as another, then to me, it doesn't have. That power, it should be central to your life. If I'm not for myself, what am I? He goes on. If I'm only for myself, I'm sorry, the first was not for myself, who will be for me? If I can't take care of myself, then you know nobody else is gonna look at, at my soul, at my essential being. But at the same time, he said, But if I'm only for myself, what am I? And that means that a recognition that throughout this there is truth to be found in so many places and my truth is important to me, but there are other truths that are equally important and they're all important to God. That's my faith perspective speaking. Okay. So, you know, that, that, that speaks to the need to do this conversation, to do this work, to do this togetherness. And then he finally says, and if not now, when that is, we have to start immediately. We have to do what we're doing. We have to keep working on both Recognizing the things that are important to us and how we relate to others and make this uh, the world that we were put on this earth to help make.
1: I, I like the the progression from one to all to the time, if not now, when that often is a question we we all face in different scenarios in in our daily lives. Reverend Eric or, 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 excuse me, Reverend Kathy, you had your hand up.
0: (laughs) I love that.
3: (laughs) So, so weird to have to do that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to let you know that uh, the Franklin Interfaith Council is sending a letter of invitation to other congregations in town that haven't been part of the interfaith organization. And uh, we're inviting them to join us to broaden our alliance. And another invitation, this is for everyone. You are invited to our interfaith Thanksgiving service, which is an annual event. This year, it's on Sunday, November 21st at 7 p.m. It's hosted by St. Mary's Catholic Parish, and there will also be uh, a remote option. And our collection this year will benefit Gillies House Addiction Treatment Center in Rentham.
1: That's good to know. Uh, I know that it rotates among the different houses of worship, the Thanksgiving service. And I I think that the, um, to identify the Gilly house as the source of uh, the recipient of the co- collection is, is important, uh, in, especially in light of some of the conversations that we have had over this last year. Thank you for letting us know about that. And you'll have to update us on future shows um, how the Interfaith Council is growing, because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking positively that, that, that there will be a good response to your letter of outreach. Um, Reverend Eric, is there anything you would like to say to bring this to close?
2: I'll, I'll just say real quickly that um, we're all grateful that Reverend Marlena from the Franklin Federated Church is uh, preaching at that Thanksgiving service on the 21st and uh, uh, looking forward to her message very much.
1: Thank you for sharing that, because, uh, again, it, it it speaks to the totality of the um, organization and, and it speaks to... The um, welcoming of, of a host congregation to bring in another congregation to, to preach at that service. How, again, this is really uh, wonderful that we can live in such a community. As is our tradition, we bring these things to a close with a spiritual focus. And Reverend Kathy is going to lead us in that this afternoon. I yes, afraid?
3: I thought given the topic, it would be appropriate to bring a Sufi prayer. Uh, Sufism is a branch of Islam and it holds the belief that uh, all faiths have value. A Sufi practitioner described it to me as the divine is at the top of a mountain and there are many paths up that mountain on all sides. So this is called Salat. Most gracious Lord, Master, Messiah, and Savior of humanity, we greet you with all humility. You are the first cause and the last effect. The divine light and the spirit of guidance, Alpha and Omega. Your light is in all forms, your love in all beings, in a loving mother, in a kind father, in an innocent child, in a helpful friend, in an inspiring teacher. Allow us to recognize you in all your holy names and forms, as Rama, as Krishna, as Shiva, as Buddha. Let us know you as Abraham, as Solomon, as Zarathustra, as Moses, as Jesus, as Mohammed, and in many other names and forms, known and unknown to the world. We adore your past, your presence deeply and our being, and we look for your blessing in the future. O Messenger, Christ, Nabi, the Rasul of God, You whose heart constantly reaches upward, you come on earth with a message as a dove from above when Dharma decays. And speak the word that is put into your mouth as the light fills the crescent moon. Let the star of the divine light shining in your heart be reflected in the hearts of your devotees. May the message of God reach far and wide, illuminating and making the whole humanity as one single family in the parenthood of God. Amen.
1: That was wonderful. It gave us a lot to think on. And for me, that was the first time I had ever heard that particular prayer. So in terms of our whole mission today on why interfaith matters, uh, good to end on that uh, reflection. Uh, Jay, I would... I would ask you if you would uh, say some final words and and bring us to a, a sense of closer for this show.
0: Well, uh, thank you, Pandora. But most importantly, uh, thank you to Reverend Kathy, Reverend Eric, and Rabbi Tom. Uh, again, just the information and knowledge and caring that the three of you bring to every one of these programs. I. I think I can speak for Pandora. We're just happy to be a little bit of part of it to kind of give the three of you a a forum to get out what you want to get out. If that makes sense, it probably doesn't. It does in my mind. So that generally means it makes no sense to anybody else. But uh, we also want to thank as always Keith Palmieri who kind of keeps this ship running and takes care of everything Because if it were up to Pandora and I, uh, I, Lord knows where it would be. So uh, I, again, thank all three of you. Again, Reverend Kathy, VIP, MVP of the day for, for, first of all, the effort to make it to the program. And then, of course, the raising of the hand. Uh, Just tremendous job by you. So uh, we want to thank everybody. Remember, you can listen to our programs on Franklin Radio. You can also uh, go to franklin.tv. We now have all these programs kind of, I know I'm going to use the wrong term, term, but they're in podcast form. So you can go listen to all of them, uh, part of them, whatever you want to do go ahead, but thank you all for being a part of this and we will see you next month. Thanks and be well.